We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting in the Going Deep League. That's what we're doing on these special episodes of Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch. You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel, who you can find at Rotoviz. All of his fantastic work over there. And we're jumping back in the middle of our Going Deep draft. Mike Clay's fantastic league he talked to us about last week on the show. We didn't go with quite as many wide receivers as we expected at the beginning in the, in the first half of the show. Let's see how we build it out from there, and then stay tuned uh, at the end of the show where Sean and I have a couple of hot takes. Into round eight, Javante Williams still available. We also have a few other vaguely interesting running backs in a Henderson, in a Sermon. But there are guys who we, if, if we kind of, take the ADP and move it back for the super flex. You know, we have people like a Ronald Jones, like a James Connor, like a Devin Singletary who are probably going to be available, you know, two rounds beyond wherever those other guys go. And so there are some options if we end up passing it running back and continuing to let it play out. Yeah. The one that, Still stands out for me at running back because Javante is still on the board. But if he were to go, that's when I would start to want to, to kind of wait, as you sort of alluded to. Debo Samuel is still there as well. So the top of my list right now is Debo and Javante. We lost Fuller. I do still have Gallup on my list and Shark. This is one of those rare drafts where I don't have LaVisca Chenault on my roster. <laughs> and then we, had, we had kind of talked about that at the beginning, that they didn't keep other receivers. It appears to lock Chark and Marvin Jones in there. Is Chark someone who you really want if you've missed on Chenault? Is it something where you want to come out of drafts with at least one of those two guys? Uh, I wouldn't put it that way, no. At least not for me. I, you you talked on the show last week about some you know some concerns about the Jacksonville's offense, and I think they're very valid. Uh, at the same time, I like them both. It's a bet against Marvin Jones, who we we know has sort of been a perennial number two receiver, and you know he'll probably be fine this year. But people think he's more than he is typically. When you look at stats like targets per out run, you look at his production over over many years. 
I don't think at this point in his career he's going to suddenly be a true number one. And so there's going to be other production there for sure. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't mind that that logic necessarily, but it's not cert- certainly like an offense where I'm like, I, I, I want to have a piece of one of these two. I just, Sharks Bryce is, is very appealing at this point now. It is. And there is more overlap between him and Chark in terms of some of the things that they do than maybe there has been with Marvin Jones and some other guys. Now, we did see Marvin Jones have plenty of success when he was running with Kenny Galladay, both of those guys a little bit deep shot types of players, especially when you have the big arm of Matthew Stafford. Even if we think Trevor Lawrence becomes that, it might be trickier in year one. You watch them play in the preseason. Lawrence actually looked very good uh, in, in this most recent week where they're playing against a team that's not necessarily trying very hard, uh, but getting the ball out quickly, uh, again, something that seems like it might favor Chenault, but we want to hedge with the idea that maybe it could go a different direction. Then we are on the clock, I noticed, so it's a good time to to make that pick. Uh, are you thinking Samuel here yeah. and, and hope that the running back comes a little bit further still? Yeah, I, I'm leaning Debo. As long as you're comfortable with that, I think this is a really nice value for him. I have him right behind Visca, and so – we were hoping Visca might make it all the way back. He, he very much did not. He went right after our last pick. But Debo coming all the way back is a nice little consolation prize. It is. It is. Let's add him to the to the roster here. We're, we're talking about Chark. What, what, you don't seem as high as me on Gallup. And I don't know that I'm necessarily high, but I have been a little bit excited. He was much better in 2019 with a full season of Dak. Obviously, Dak missing a lot of last year hurt the whole passing game. There's some talk also that he might, I mean, he, I know he, he lined up in the slot. I saw him line up in the slot a little bit in the preseason. I didn't see if that was a lot or just a couple snaps, but not necessarily be just stuck on the outside every play. I think he's, you know, he's still a very good player. I think it's, he's kind of interesting in this offense. He is. And I think that for me, we've talked about how this format plays out a little bit like a best ball. Almost. You're going to have these guys, if they're on your team, they're going to be in the lineup. I think that works well for Gallup, where this kind of thing can be overstated. One of the things that you go and look and you see in the numbers is that maybe it doesn't play out the way intuitive it seemed, intuitively it seemed like it would. But my concern with Gallup would be that we have some really impressive weeks followed by some pretty dry weeks. And then you follow the dry week, you know, you don't put him in, then he has the big week, you keep chasing points all through the season and you get frustrated and you don't score that many points, that wouldn't be an issue for us here. And so I, I kind of like him in this format. Definitely like him a lot better than Marvin Jones, but that's not really saying anything. Listeners know where I come in on that one. They're right here together kind of in the defaults. Are you thinking that he would be somebody for this next pick, or are you thinking kind of wrapping back around if he were to slide through you know, some of the other names who are kind of already here are guys like a Henry Ruggs, Jarvis Landry, who I think would have actually been a very strong pick at the 905 if he had come through. He does come off there. And so, you know, we're going to have these running back values. And at the same time, the, the wide receivers continue to go. And so, yeah, continuing to hammer a receiver may be the way to play it. We do have some guys like Ruggs. We have someone in Jalen Rager who I would actually be a little bit optimistic might slide in this draft. This is a format where we could play a McCole Hardman, Emmanuel Sanders, everybody talks about, but nobody drafts early. And so he's somebody who's going to be there later. Darnell Mooney, I think, if you believe in the Bears, is a very smart way to play it. Again, I like him in this kind of format 
better than one where you know you're playing fewer receivers every week are there guys there like that that would get us over to javante williams or are we kind of looking at the the receivers going and, and feel more pressure to, to keep hammering that spot well yeah i mean it's interesting we're sitting here at 905 we have a long the, the longer side of our wait to come back at at you know 1007 1008 unless we want to go receiver 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 and get all the way to six we have three now you know we're it's just a question of you know how good do we want our wide receiver four to be essentially i mean it, it, it's tough I, I think williams is a tough one to, to pass here and the way that i'm thinking and i'm not saying well is we'd more or less be planning to take receiver receiver at the late 10 early 11 and there should be options there i mean even if even if our priority rookies go elijah moore and rondell moore we could get a terrace marshall we could get I think Marquise Brown is interesting. And then obviously several of the other names that you mentioned. I'm starting to get pretty excited for Javante. I hope that he does get through these next couple. You look at the roster we're building and we're able to kind of build the same type of team that we like across all formats, where it's young guys with the potential to emerge. It's a lineup where you can look at it and dream and think, okay, we've got stars everywhere. Now, is there more risk with that? Yes. But I mean, it's a pretty fun team here. And I'm out. I guess I would prefer to go with fun as opposed to going with wide receiver depth when we think there are guys we can hit later. Yeah, and then they're more fun later too. So Javante, it is. We're gonna lock him in here. And so now we have Clyde Edwards Hilaire and, and Javante Williams. I you know, look, I, I do think Melvin Gordon's gonna be the starter, but again, you talk about this format, you talk about how we kind of have to play everyone we pick, and so we get some of, of the that bet here where yeah probably he'll have some games early in the year where he doesn't score us a lot of points but at the same time i think he's going to do some things at times you know even early and he'll be on our lineup when he does so that'll be nice so then i don't think it's i mean it's too early now but quarterback has Derek carr mayfield You've got somebody like a Winston there. You've got Daniel Jones, who could have a little bit of rushing value. Mac Jones, who suddenly now you know, runway is cleared for takeoff. Zach Wilson has been actually fairly impressive. Where are we thinking of the QB3 to make sure we don't run into any of these types of problems? It's going to be difficult to roster a ton of extra guys, and yet making sure we dominate the most important position is something that still should be on our radar. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, I would say that it wasn't really on my radar right now. Cause I'm, I didn't expect to only have three receivers at this point of the draft through nine rounds. This is not a, a typical build for us in that regard at all. So in some respects, I think I'm, I'm thinking round 12 or, or later for that other QB, certainly. It'd be fun to get like a Mac Jones late, you know, or, or something, but who, who knows where he goes? Cause we just heard today that, that Cam Newton was released. So the other one who would be a lot of fun late uh, is Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I mean, he's gotta oh, be, he got, oh, he's, he's gone. People yeah. are, are on the, the Fitz magic bandwagon. That's good. That's good. That's what we like to see. So wide receiver, Sterling Shepard, uh, somewhat, Oddly is the the top guy in the default. He is somebody I think who could be picked five rounds from now and be a very good selection. DJ Chark <laughs> is still there. We like. Uh, I've been. I continue to think that Henry Ruggs is this really good 
contingency-based play where it could work out and you win all your leagues as a result. It probably won't, but the price is okay. Not going to kill you if it doesn't. But if we're starting everybody and it doesn't, then it hurts us a bit more. Are you on rugs right here? Is he somebody who you know, we can take the risk on in our higher stakes formats? Uh, Brian Edwards, they released John Brown, which that actually to me was a tiny bit of a surprise, even knowing that he'd been having a very quiet camp. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I reportedly asked for his re- release, but very surprising, I think. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm comfortable with rugs, a, a little bit more comfortable than I was. I would say that, I mean, we still have Gallup and Shark here. There's no guarantee they come back. You may be thinking, you know, in case they don't, uh, that I would have Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore ahead of him. And then probably also Marquise Brown is one that I would I would say, look, you know, Rashad Bateman's banged up now. J.K. Dobbins is out. We're now thinking, well, maybe Lamar throws a little bit more. We even have Lamar on our team. <laughs> At some point, Marquise Brown, especially in this type of format where we're gonna we're gonna capture the peaks. And Michael Gallup just finally went off the board to JJ Zacharyson, who also got LaVisca Chenault. He's taking a few of our targets here. We're one pick away. We do we do still have TJ Shark on the board. Uh, I'm I'm very you know I, I'm f- much further away from Marquise Brown than than one pick because uh, I I do really like Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore as well, and I have Ruggs as the fourth in our in our t- our our uh, queue here. But we're now on the clock. Do you like Shark here at ten oh eight? This is kind of a bet right on in terms of where we think they're going to go and how discounted Shark might be. I'm probably pretty close with Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore. I'd love to get both of those guys. If we think we have to take them at the 10 and 11, I'm all in on that. I'm not pushing for it, but I'm Let's definitely okay with it. I, I actually would prefer to take Elijah Moore here. I, I like that. Um, I moved Shark up just this morning, I mentioned, and – have not had a draft yet where I've been on the clock and looked at DJ Chark next to Elijah Moore, and I don't actually want to draft him over Elijah Moore. <laughs> so we're going to move him back down for a little bit. and get that a little bit more accurate. So Trey Sermon goes at the 10.05. I think that could end up being a absolute Grand Slam type of pick. Is there any way that running backs could come into play at all for us here? Kareem Hunt available, Ronald Jones, James Conner available. In this format, probably Rondell still uh, pretty clearly ahead of them. DJ Chark pretty clearly ahead of them. Kareem Hunt is the sort of contingency play there, something that pulls you in in 2021, knowing that once Nick Chubb came back last season, it really wasn't that great in terms of the breakdown of expected points for both guys. And in addition to it sort of trending a little bit in Hunt's direction, also then they were more pass happy. So does that take you off of Hunt? I mean, he still has this crazy upside in the case of a Chubb injury. And one of the things that I pointed out in looking at Hunt and saying that, yeah, I mean, there's some very mildly negative trends, but the fact that Hunt really very randomly didn't blow up during that time period when Chubb was out last year. That's what's keeping his ADP in check. Because if he had sort of normal touchdown luck during that period, the time, the kind of touchdown luck that we saw in the playoffs and some of that kind of thing, Kareem Hunt would not be going where he's going right now. 
Absolutely agree. Uh, have him as the last available in a tier that includes Javante Williams and and most of you know some some running backs that go much higher. You know, he's I have him at the back of a tier that started with Chris Carson. So I'm with you on Cream Hunt. He does go, as does DJ Shark. But we are still looking at Rondell Moore on the board, four picks away. The other receiver I have on the list is Henry Ruggs. The others I would consider are Terrace Marshall, Marquise Brown. I mentioned. I don't. Where are you at on Marcus Callaway? Well, I like him. I mean, you look at what he did in that preseason game, and you can say, well, it's just preseason. But you know, most receivers are going to struggle to make the plays he made in those games in any kind of game, right? It's not easy to go out there and haul down deep passes like that when you got a guy draped all over and you're having to make the play with one arm when you can do that kind of thing and you're having a great camp then you need to take that seriously it is a situation where maybe he gets you off to a fast start and that's important i do think he's probably not going to get you off to that fast finish which is even more important you know michael thomas there's a non-zero chance that he comes back and is aj green in which case callaway continues to run rough shot over opposing defenses that's probably not the way that I would bet. And so Callaway does get drafted. You mentioned Shark. Very sadly, Rondell Moore gets drafted. McCole Hardman gets drafted. Uh, ben, we're going to be drafting after a little bit of a tear break. Yeah, this is disappointing that, that Shark and Moore went on the turn. I mean, Terrence Marshall, Marquise Brown, and Henry Ruggs are the three left from the group that I was discussing we're not really wanting to go back to running back with Hunt off the board unless we wanted to go get A.J. Dillon right now, which I don't think is necessary. Uh, which of those three receivers? I, I'm very comfortable with Rooks if you want to go there. I think in this format as well, those explosive plays will will be in our lineup. Yeah, so we have just in the last day, Brown returning to practice for the first time in a month. And so <laughs> that's some good news, some bad news. It gives you a feel for how he hasn't been out there uh, I'm 50-50 on that. Ruggs is more fun. I think he has much more upside. Do you have a sense of which guy you think is more likely to fall through to us? I don't. I don't. I'm probably neither. Um, they're both in the, the top seven or so receivers available. Let's go, Ruggs. It's a, it's a year two bet. We like to make these young receiver bets in this format. I know you're comfortable making this bet. And, I again, I, I this is a format where I like him. I think we had him last year on this team. We're gonna get the we're gonna get the points um, when he has the big plays, and we're also gonna get the the low scores when he doesn't. But <laughs> I think uh, that's one of my favorite parts about the way that we've structured our teams in this format as well. And it's an interesting thing in these deep formats. You start to get to these later receivers. It feels nice to go after the guaranteed targets, the stable guys. You know, you mentioned Sterling Shepard, who's still sitting there at the top. Russell Gage right behind him, a guy that I've kind of bashed on. It might make it might make sense for some people to think uh, in, in these deep formats. Hey, look, we're going to get you know five, six targets a game, uh, maybe more some weeks. It doesn't really move the needle. What I like is having several of these deep threats that have this explosive ability. And again, like if they have a bad week, it's not it's not crushing you compared to maybe twelve or fifteen points someone else is getting. Rugs gets you five. It's it's not the, it's not going to be the difference between your good or bad week. But Rugs has the potential to have. 25 point week pretty quickly. I mean, he can have a 15 point play pretty quickly. You know, we do have Waller. So now, now we're, we're pretty committed to, to the Raiders being good. 
We are. So um, it's it's never too early to draft Derek Carr. Is that what people say? Is that the is that the phrase? When <laughs> I think that might be up? your phrase this year. You see, you are very high on Carr, and I'm you're, you're selling me a little bit. I'll say that. I think he is a good safe QB in Superflex to help protect you there. We did take him in our Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty. Obviously, a different situation. Uh, we'll see where he goes. Oh, he goes at the 11.09 to, to Bob there. So uh, a pick that we give our mild seal of approval to. Then as we're kind of waiting for the 12.08 to come back around, I have mentioned Sermon a little bit. We've talked about Raheem Mostert. Mostert, a guy who had some MCL issues last season and as a result really derailed what could have been a promising campaign. You look at that first game and a half and you know, you could dream about him being, you know, the overall running back three based on those sort of early performances. Uh, he had the top two times in the entire NFL in terms of ball carrier speed. So on field timed ball carrier speed, he ranked number one, number two. This is a league in which Tyreek Hill catches a lot of balls and has a lot of chances to uh, factor into that leaderboard. We talked about some of the stealth releases today. Wayne Gallman goes for the 49ers. So that makes Elijah Mitchell kind of an interesting guy in really deep dynasty formats. He probably doesn't factor into your redraft team on the first week, but he might in week two if, if somebody goes down in front of him. Does the Wayne Gallman release, does it give a, a tiny bit higher floor to those top two guys? Is it meaningful at all outside of Elijah Mitchell? I think so. Absolutely. I think it's a positive note, but Moser did go. Are you thinking about? Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking in terms of we have a little bit of a spot here to, to debate some okay. um, of the topical gotcha. news from today and kind of think about the 49ers. Uh, are, are you so it's an interesting question with Mostert going behind Sermon. Would you put those guys pretty close? For me, I look at Mostert and I think, well, this is exactly the kind of guy that I want some exposure to because he's obviously good and he's someone who doesn't get credit. And I like those guys to succeed and to be kind of part of that success. At the same time, you know, it's very difficult to win if you don't get exposure to those running backs. Or, I mean, those young players who, you know, come out of nowhere, not nowhere. I mean, everybody knows about Trey Sermon. But they, they just have these seasons that you look back and you're like, why didn't I have some? And so it, it feels a little bit less likely that we're going to have that kind of feeling about Mostert. It does feel less likely. But I do think he's going to be heavily utilized. I think maybe more so than people realize. You know, Sermon, Sermon certainly has the potential to gain more work. But if Mostert is able to stay healthy... I mean, Sermon's going to have to be very good to continue to carve out. I mean, I think he's going to play plenty, but like to continue to carve out a really strong role alongside him, he's going to have to be very, very good because Mozart's going to be. You mentioned it. He's very explosive. Yeah, I mean, that's – I don't really have a strong take there, to be honest. I I like having a little bit of exposure to both. They're they're at a good price. So, sadly, Marquise Brown doesn't quite make it to us. Mike picks him at the 12.03. A couple of these veteran target plays are gone in terms of Russell Gage and Sterling Shepard does get taken, so he no longer has to be the top guy on the board. Replaced by Terrell Williams, who 
I'm, it's difficult to see really the ceiling there. Somebody I mentioned earlier, Ben, and said it seems like everyone is talking about him, but he's still not actually being drafted. Does Emmanuel Sanders? I mean, I feel really weird about Emmanuel Sanders because this is somebody that I've been off for a decade, and yet it just seems like he keeps dropping to a price where you've got to consider him. We're on the board now, or we're on the clock at 12.08. So here are the picks that I have as my next clear ones. I have Terrace Marshall, A.J. Dillon, Sony Michelle, and Ronald Jones. Um, I could consider Emmanuel Sanders. I don't really like him. He hasn't had a 900-yard season since 2016. Like, I think the Achilles goes a little understated that that it saps some explosiveness. His ADOT has really fallen. What about Jalen Rager right here? I'm okay with that. Let's do that. You're not on Terrace Marshall, though, huh? Well, let's let's take him. I don't have a lot yet. He's been fantastic. He's going to go earlier than Rager in this draft. No, I'm comfortable with Rager here. Okay. okay. Let's do Rager. You said he's been looking really good in camp. Hey, everybody. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I was just curious as it relates to DJ Moore. <laughs> but Marshall has looked good in the preseason. He has. And I, I'm involved in a late dynasty rookie draft in a league that Curtis Patrick runs. And Marshall went ahead of Rondell Moore, which I mean, that could be right. You know, it, it just it, it was stunning to me to see the rise for Marshall when we consider all the buzz that Rondell has had. And so people are definitely involved in him, not just for now, but also 
as a guy who could be the next star for them, a little bit of a bet against Robbie Anderson continuing for another three or four years in that range. I guess, Ben, for me, a lot of it is just that I believe that strongly in DJ Moore. And then also, I mean, it's not like you have to believe strongly in Christian McCaffrey. Everybody does that. But I think that he could be a star. And yet the volume there, I think, is tricky because Robbie Anderson is not just a guy. I mean, he's actually quite good. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that's a very fair point. We are almost back on the clock. Marshall is still there. We do still only have the two running backs, one of which is Javante Williams, who there's scenarios where we don't want to play him at, at, at times early in the year, especially we, we're up to six receivers. That includes Rager, who there's scenarios where we won't want to play him <laughs> and Ruggs, I guess, as well. But Ronald Jones is still there. He, you mentioned him a little bit ago. We're a couple picks away. I don't know if he'll make it back, but it, it's kind of interesting to, to think of him as our third running back here. It is, and I hate to keep saying this. It gets to be a little bit of the same old, same old, but I, I like Jones, too, in a format where you're not worrying about whether or not you're going to start him. He is going to be touchdown dependent to an extent uh, simply because he's just not going to get the receptions. And so even if you are somebody who's cranking out you know, 80, 90 yards in the big plays, if you don't get in the end zone and you don't catch the ball, then you know, you're, you're sitting on a fantasy performance that no one is happy with. Uh, he would probably be my guy here, but I'll, I, I like Marshall. I think that continuing to get the wide receivers probably makes sense. I think they're going to run out sooner than the running backs. Someone else just to throw out, kind of interesting, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, someone that Colin wants always on all of his teams. I have to push back a little bit, but we take him in the last round. He's someone who has been generating a lot of buzz, maybe the more clear-cut number two, even with Cobb there. Uh, Curtis was pushing us to take him in our main event saying again that the reporting is fantastic it, has he someone who's come across your radar in the last week are you moving him up your rankings at all uh I've put them up a little but we have 15 seconds here are you comfortable with Jones I, I'm not a big I fan am. of him yeah. yeah okay we're gonna take Jones and get our third running back my my concern with Marcus Valdez-Scantling is well yeah I, I mean I, I I actually got a note that i Missed him on my rankings, and I actually just had not ranked him um, <laughs> you know, before camp because the way that I was reading the Packers, certainly prior to some of this news, was Rodgers is going to involve the running backs a little bit. He's obviously going to throw to Adams a ton. Robert Tunyon came on last year. I think will be more involved from week one through the season than he was last year. People have talked about his target numbers. I think you have to expect those to go up basically because he, he wasn't even established as the tight end going into last season, certainly developed a rapport with Rogers last year, had I think 11 touchdowns. And then they bring back Hop, who Rogers really likes and likes a lot of the things he does. And so to me, that other outside receiver spot and Alan Lazard is still there is the other thing. <laughs> so you have these several, several things MVS last year lost playing time. He was bad. Rodgers didn't like him. Um, they were using him last down the stretch because of that. Rodgers was getting frustrated, uh, if, if you will. I don't know if he didn't like him. That's kind of a, a mean thing to say. But they need him. They need him as a deep threat. He provides something that Lazard doesn't, especially in the Adams-Cobb sets. You'd probably prefer to have MVS out there. But I do think Lazard's going to play still. He was very good last year and has been much better than Lazard in, in, in you know targets per run and Efficiency, depth adjusted racer, all these numbers. 
So I've had Lazard on my list actually as the one that I think is a little more interesting. I just think he's the better player. But MVS is the one that will probably have a few deep touchdowns, and he certainly did last year. I don't see a lot of scenarios where he runs a full set of routes, though. I mean, he's he's basic like it would be Lazard not playing at all. Lazard got hurt quite a bit uh, or missed missed some time last year as well, which was part of the reason that MVS was playing so much, and he kind of couldn't handle that even then. And that was before Cobb was you know on the roster and everything else. So I would say I'm pretty down on him. I did add him to my rankings. I moved him ahead of Lazard but certainly not somebody that I would take, you know, ahead of some of our, our favorite younger receivers, the KJ Hamlers, the, um, Oh, that's a good point. We are into the Hamler watch category that I'm glad that you got that in there. We, we need to be aware of him. So Ben, what I'm hearing you saying is you're very reluctantly willing to include MVS now in your rankings, but it is grudging. Uh, one of the things I, 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 your breakdown of that was perfect. I do think that Randall Cobb for me is probably in that sort of Emmanuel Sanders plus, and by plus, I basically mean minus where I think that he is washed. And so it isn't actually going to factor in that much. One of the interesting things when I was kind of breaking down this receiving group and trying to understand if there was a possibility for a wide receiver two to go off and have one of these seasons kind of looking at the air yards profiles that you alluded to there and 2020 right we had mvs was the deep guy lazard was the underneath guy and that would seem to really crush lazard because cobb is going to come in and be in that role but even though we don't necessarily see big changes in target depth profiles for receivers back in 2019 lazard was also a deep guy and i think that we could see more of that i mean he's a big athletic target and so if cobb is underneath Lazard has more depth to his targets again as more of a vertical player than instead of you know Lazard and Cobb cannibalizing each other we could see that with MVS and Lazard and I'm with you I think both of those guys are good now I do factor in the camp reports a little bit and I think the MVS is the guy who really fits with this idea of well does Rodgers have a 12 touchdown season still in him for the number two we know we know he still has it in him for for Devontae Adams so but you know, from so that the one thing I'll say about Cobb is that I agree from a wash perspective, but you gotta play the narrative, Sean. You never play the narrative. You gotta play the fact that Rogers brought him in, and this is the Aaron Rodgers FU tour season. I mean, there is it is so clear. There's no way he's not getting Randall Cobb five touchdowns this year. You there, he's not well, gonna let Randall Cobb not be good. He's gonna well, make him score. He's gonna pick him up and carry him into the end zone. Or Right. Or is it a situation where he's like, look at this. I had this guy come in and I'm not even going to use him. <laughs> I'm so good. I don't even need him. All right. That might be it. So I'm going to give you a list of youngish receivers. And there's one veteran in here that I think should go by this point. We're at the, the Cole Beasley, Tyro Williams. Emmanuel Sanders just went off. Uh, and that veteran's Devontae Parker, who to me is the one that kind of stands out. I mean, I don't know. We've talked about him a little bit, but I, I don't think he should go this late. But the young guys, I want you to pick your – quickly, pick your favorite. Um, and I'll, I'll omit K.J. Hamler because he's the clear number one. And then pick your least favorite for this year, for this team, for this league. Paris Campbell, De'Ami Brown, Brian Edwards, Quez Watkins. Oh, that's that's a good one. So Hilton being out, right, and the fact that – I'm not convinced Wentz can really even – throw the ball across the line of scrimmage anymore. Paris Campbell, someone who should be getting drafted. 
you have the multiple seasons you miss with injury. You know, are you remotely the same guy? But uh, he's someone people need to be creating exposure to. The sort of other players in that group. Um, I don't Sean know. Brown's release make you at all more excited about Brian Ed- Brian Edwards? Well, I mean, he's got some some run after the catch elements to his profile. There have been times in camp where, <laughs> I mean. John Gruden loves to give these comps to people who are completely unrealistic, but, you know, it popped up in, in one of our chats in the OT listener leagues that he's talking about, you know, Brian Edwards is Terrell Owens. And you're like, well, I better get out and draft him, especially if they're going <laughs> to release John Brown. So I, I like him. He's one of these guys who I think when you look at some of the dominator rating kinds of things, he looks a little bit better than in some of the other metrics because, you know, they were really held back by the collegiate offense. And so, you know, if we're making a bet on Henry Ruggs, you should probably also in some of your leagues, probably the other leagues, uh, make a bet on Edwards. So I do like him. We also have there. Waller. We could we could just assume that Derek Carr is going to throw 6,000 yards this year. That's true. If Derek Carr was still there, I was going to ask you, we are now down to the point where um, if we want a third quarterback, and I don't know that we necessarily do, because again, with the with the short rosters you get some shots at the qbs being dropped which is very unusual in super flex where the quarterbacks are that valuable but then if we don't want to be stuck here right i mean jared goff is kind of our last starter unless you consider the houston texans to be an nfl team uh so we're four picks away no jared goff is gone so we're we're kind of locked out there that's okay yeah uh guess we're not getting the third qb Okay, all right. We we went a little away from receiver. I'm comfortable going with two. This is super flex. It's not two QB. So even on their buys, we can just play one quarterback if we wanted to. That is true. That is so true. So is it KJ Hamlet? We're on the clock now. Are we at, we're in KJ Hamlet territory, right? Well, if we don't draft him at the 1408, then you know we can't come who back later we? and be like, yeah, we were the guys who were willing to take him five rounds early because you know it's no longer five rounds early if you pass right here. I mean, there's been 9 million receivers gone. Randall Cobb went. So I don't think we're five rounds early anymore. Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to lock him in. We, we've got to be close to 100 receivers drafted already. So <laughs> not maybe not 100 yet, but probably 80. Nelson Aguilar. The last receivers that went were Randall Cobb, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, Emmanuel Sanders, Tyrell Williams, Cole Beasley. Paris Marshall just went last round. But we're certainly getting into it. Your boy Sterling Shepard went two rounds ago, so I think we can take KJ Hamler here. Yeah, we are into the range where if half of the guys drafted in the last round were cut tomorrow as teams shuffle their rosters, you know, it, it wouldn't be a huge surprise. One of the nice things about the 2021 season is it doesn't matter what format you're playing, KJ Hamler is not going to show up in the draftable players in the pre-ranks, which even an expert drafts does come into play a little bit as people are chatting and messing around and doing things like that. So it's nice to have Hamler buried. Ben, turning it back to you on those young guys, we like Quez Watkins. I don't think it's impossible to play the two guys together in a format this deep. You know, probably somebody who we end up cutting and then moving to a different player in waivers early on. Is that the order that you would rank these guys in? Do you think that the T, the T.Y. Hilton injury frees things up for Paris Campbell? I have Campbell as the next receiver, yes. And then I and then I have Deami Brown and then Quez. I could certainly be talking to Quez over Brown. I think Campbell 
for all the things that we're saying makes a lot of sense. As a, I mean, Brown and Quez are very interesting, but they're guys that we're going to have to see earn roles and, and, and earn substantial snaps. Campbell, some of, the, some of the buzz wasn't great that he was maybe in, on the second team and things like that. But now that, that Hilton's out, you got to think he's going to get a pretty solid opportunity to to potentially be their target leader. I mean, that's that's sort of the upside that we're talking about. It's not po- it's not it's not certain or anything, but it is possible at this point. So we we did take KJ Hamler ahead of players like Zach Moss, like Devin Singletary. Do we pivot back to the running back? So our running backs at this point are Williams, Edwards, Alaire. Ronald Jones, we don't need a ton of depth. Running back is going to be possible to address in free agency in this format. But Singletary is somebody that I think we're interested at least to see how the first couple of weeks of the season play out. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't even looking at running back, to be honest with you. But Moss and Singletary are the last two of a tier for me pretty comfortably. Uh, most of the pass catching backs have gone. I don't know that I've caught them all, but I know James White went and a believe Heinz and Gio both went as well. And we're back on the clock. Ken and Drake just went. I, I feel very comfortable Singletary here. Let's do it. That's a smart pick. You good? You're good with that? Yeah. Yes, definitely Singletary. I we talk about a lot of the different elements with that in more normal drafts, wanting to get either Moss or Singletary. That's really my project in drafts. I haven't accomplished it every time because they're both now in the range where there are some interesting other players whom you also want to get some exposure to. Ben, I don't think that you're quite as high on like every draft getting one of the two of them, but I think you're on board with the idea of definitely creating some level of exposure to this Bills rushing game in case they play it a little bit differently. There's also this sort of emerging possibility that Singletary could take a step forward as a receiver and maybe even do some of these things, not Austin Eckler type of things, but we've seen Singletary score some receiving touchdowns from distance within the context of how dynamic this offense is. I guess I don't think that it's impossible to think that we would see a few of those during the season. Not at all. No. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, I, I actually am more on your side there where I feel like in almost every draft, I'm taking one of these two. I think they make a lot of sense. I was mentioning to you the other day that, the Bills had a lot of touchdowns on sort of designed red zone plays last year. And one of the big issues is, will there be enough touchdown potential for these guys? They only combined for seven scores last year. Moss had five. Singletary only had two. That's pretty crazy in an offense that scored, I believe it was 56 touchdowns. Their two you know, main running backs that got almost all the work only scored seven combined scores. Some of that's because Tyler Croft and Lee Smith, their their sort of blocking tight ends, had five touchdowns, none of which were more than four yards of of length. They were all right there at the goal line, those little leak plays. Isaiah McKenzie had five offensive touchdowns as well as the punt return that he had in in his his three-touchdown Week 17 game. So he had six scores. Some of those five touchdowns, especially um, earlier in the year, the the three-touchdown Week 17, he was playing a little more when, when the backups were out there. But earlier in the year, some of those were the jet motion tip passes, down in the red zone, we had Josh Allen rushing for nine TDs. You have all these t, you know, these types of things that could potentially regress. Basically, they've put all that stuff on film now. I think it was very sharp of, of Buffalo to be doing all of that kind of stuff, but put it all on film now. And when you were at, you and I were talking, the point you made was now that they've shown all that stuff. One of the things that can make it a little easier is just lining up and running it up the middle. 
you know, I mean, now defenses have to be aware of all these other things. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we're going to see Moss and Singletary score more. It, it seems more likely that it would be Moss at the goal line, but also to your point, Singletary, if you go back to 2019, had some, some breakaway long touchdowns as well. So he's the one that I think has the better chance to have a few explosive touchdowns as well. So I'm right there with you. I think that's great. Our team now is Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow at quarterback. We have Waller and Hawkinson at tight end. Those are our, you know, our two locked-in positions. Our running backs are CEH, Javante, Ronald Jones, and Devin Singletary. We got to play three every week. And then the six receivers will come from Higgins, Claypool, Debo, Elijah Moore, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, and KJ Hamler. It's not quite as deep at receiver as we thought, but I love the roster. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we hope listeners are enjoying. I just, you know, obviously we co-host the pod together, but, uh, you know, playing through this, I mean, it, it's just so much fun. I, I want to say how much I enjoy doing the show with Ben, getting to draft with Ben. Again, if you haven't subscribed to Stealing Signals, you're really missing out. Make sure you do that. Ben, you had asked about these sort of young, fun, wide receivers. And I feel like I, I kind of glossed over one of the guys I really do like. And, and Blair Andrews, I think, is a, a 100% ownership guy on Deami Brown. Today, I made a dynasty trade. And we do get some questions about dynasty trades. What are we looking for? Uh, what are some kind of fun, deep trades that you do? I have a team where I was involved in sort of a dispersal auction. Ended up getting Patrick Mahomes and not a second quarterback which once you've blown the quarterback position, I take some risks in the super flex. If you do blow it, then you're looking at maybe a little bit longer of a build. And so then I took a ton of these Debbie players. And so anybody who's listening has any interest in the Debbie element, I have an article on that on the site, Travis May, Stefan Leco, Matthew Wispy. They do a great job with our Debbie content. Uh, make sure you check that out. But Ben, I traded Brandon Ayuk, who I think is an impending superstar for McCall Hardman, Yami Brown, uh, and then some deep guys in terms of Pickens and Hall, the freshman wide receiver at Alabama. And so even though it's a four for one, when you're giving up Brandon Ayuk, I think that says something about what I think Brown could do. What are the chances that he, uh, this is a great chance, uh, opportunity for a hot take, especially if we pick Brown at the 16.08. Is it 50-50 that he outscores Curtis Samuel? I don't feel like Curtis Samuel, especially with the health issues that he's had, is really maybe a great fit for how this offense is going to go. He could be a disappointment. Brown could be one of these guys where we look back and be like, you know, if we had just taken him in the 18th round of every draft, you'd have won 100% of your championships. I mean, a, a phenomenal prospect, multiple breakout seasons, three-year early declare, um, has that downfield profile that Samuel struggled in that role. I, I mean, I love it. And we are on the clock. So before I fully answer that question, do you want to take him over, Quez? Those are the two receivers that we had talked about that we have left here. Yeah. Did Gio go in the last few picks? He was still out there. I did not see him come off. No, he's still here. So that might be an interesting way to round out. Now we have Ronald Jones already, which makes it a little bit less appealing. Uh, but I, I mean, he's like multiple tiers ahead of any other running back. So that would be a possibility. Yeah, let's do it. Cause we have Brown or Watkins and we don't have to break that tie. We'll, we'll let the room decide a little bit here. Cause I, I think we like both those guys, right? Yeah, definitely. 
So now we have our five running backs. If Rojo's a headache, we can just play Geo. Oh, Watkins goes right behind us. <laughs> so now the room's going to think about. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Brown swings back around. If he does not, we don't necessarily need to take an eighth receiver. Where are you at on Donovan Peoples-Jones? I, I kind of am concerned that they're going to run too many two tight end and even two running back sets to get a third receiver on the field a lot, but uh, reportedly was blowing up camp. Well, I wrote about it a little bit with the Hunt-Chubb thing. Mike Clay emphasized it very strongly on our value episode of Stealing Bananas. So if you missed out on Mike's picks for the value plays for 2021, make sure you go back and check that out. The fact that the Browns may actually emerge as a balanced or even, I mean, I hesitate to say this with the, the team that they have. I mean, they've got so much running back talent, but if they just got to neutral, we don't even say they're, they're pass heavy, then the third guy would start to be interesting. I guess I'm a little bit of a skeptic on their tight ends. And so yeah, Peoples Jones might be more appealing to me than say taking an Austin Hooper late. Is, is that where you are? Is, is Hooper a guy who if they pass more could kind of redeem some of these rosters that really wait at tight end. I don't know that he's going to redeem anything, but I do think he's going to catch a decent amount of balls. He's not going to be very efficient with it. He's probably going to be like the tight end 10, you know, or tight end eight. If he has a couple TDs, you know, some good TD luck. I do think he's going to beat his ADP. So in that regard, you know, redeeming, redeeming the rosters as possible in the sense that you could, you could get a, usable tight end <laughs> um but they are going to use the other tight ends and and harrison bryant and david and joku are both good late last year hooper i mean for most of the year he still played a lot of snaps and late last year he was playing a lot and the other two were sort of rotating in the second tight end spot so i do think of hooper as you know along with the running back sort of the the third weapons in the offense but the second secondary tight ends are going to catch passes the running backs are going to catch passes hunt's going to catch passes certainly in the in the short area the thing about Peoples-Jones is they loved they, they certainly loved to run the ball, and then they loved to do play action off of that and take some shots. Now, Peoples-Jones only got 20 targets all of last year, but it, his efficiency was ridiculous because he caught a few of those deep shots and caught some long touchdowns. If he's in a position where he's running more routes, they're taking more of those types of field-stretching shots. I mean, he's uh, you know one of those sort of unique profiles they also drafted Anthony Schwartz I think sort of indicating a, a 4-2 runner out of Auburn sort of indicating that they they want redundancy there but now Peoples Jones has led up camp and is pretty clearly ahead of Schwartz Schwartz did make the team today I I think they want to have that deep element in their offense and they like to play action and they like and Baker was pretty good at those th those passes last year so that's where I get excited about him. Oh, and he just went ahead of us. But De'Ami Brown did not go. Are we good with him here? I think so. Are, are you looking at him as kind of the other starter in that offense? I mean, there's a lot of talk that he could actually win that job. We talk about him being a good prospect. There were a few things that maybe were a little bit light. And then I just, I wanted him to go earlier. But the fact that he is with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, if McLaurin gets all the defensive attention and there's any sort of, even yeah, hate to just mention it, but decline by Logan Thomas, then you could see Brown as being the guy who Fitzpatrick absolutely loves. Now, the fact that he loves Adam Humphreys, well, that's, that's did he, Adam Humphreys make the team today, Ben? I think he had to have. I didn't look, but uh, we are running down low. Let's take him, give him a look. We're in the final two rounds here. We can't always cut him 
But I would say to that point is I I don't know how they're going to use Curtis Samuel, right? There are pretty good cases that they might wrote, sort of use two different three wide receiver sets. They might use some with Samuel on the outside and Humphreys in the slot. They might also kick Samuel into the slot and and use uh, Jeremy Brown on the outside. It is notable that, that Samuel was a lot better last year, sort of as the move guy, the slot guy in the Carolina offense. Certainly Ron Rivera was there the year before when they were using Samuel as the deep threat. So it is interesting to see how this will play out. And you mentioned Fitzpatrick really likes Humphreys. I have a hard time believing it's going to be McLaurin and Samuel on the outside, Humphreys in the slot, and De'Ami Brown not getting any chances. But if he doesn't, then we can cut him. I, I'm hoping they'll give him a little bit of a look in the first couple of weeks and get him in some packages and let him try to make some plays. And then there's the potential for him to earn more snaps, obviously. And obviously a lot of our listeners are already doing this, already know that Brown is the guy that we are on. But if you do read the reports on Washington's camp, Brown was someone who was flashing very consistently. Okay, so we have him. Then I think we are closing in on our final pick. A few names who are there at running back. J.D. McKissick, he's a little bit boxed out, arguably by Jarrett Patterson. Patterson, I think, is still there. You'll have to confirm that for me. We have Darrington Evans is there. Chuba Hubbard is there. So some very fun names. Some of the guys also that it'll be tricky to hold through the first couple of weeks. Is there someone that you think is a better selection for having on the roster in week one? The quarterback position, gone. The tight end position, more or less gone. That's a good question. I'm kind of looking further down. I Hubbard's my best ranked running back. I know you love him. We know that he's not going to play a lot in week one. Evans, sort of the same deal. McKissick's sort of interesting, but we already got Bernard. We're five running backs deep. We don't really need floor at this point, I don't think, with our running back room. I agree with you that Patterson's a threat. So then I'm going down to like the next tier, and I'm looking at it like, well, okay, does Justice Hill play more than we thought right away? Does Kadri Allison play a lot next to Mike Davis? They only kept three running backs today. Does Jerick McKinnon play a lot? We do have Clyde Edwards there, so no, I wouldn't want to take him, but Alex Collins, <laughs> I mean, Ty Johnson. Did Ty Johnson go? I think he went, actually. I don't know. I don't have uh, – yeah, Ty Johnson's gone. and Probably not your favorite pick anyway. I feel comfortable with our running backs. And maybe we don't need to just keep throwing darts at, at receiver, but what about like a really interesting upside tight end? What about a Jacob Harris or something? That would be a play uh... – I haven't read much about him, but what I have read is that Albert O is healthy, which a lot of these guys are not, who have come back from the injury he suffered last year. (laughs) And it's almost one of the things, again, that I don't want to even mention it because it would be disaster in so many ways. But, I mean, he arguably looked better than Noah Fant last year before he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, What about Pat Fairmuth? Oh yeah, I mean he's a he's a no-brainer. He's our no-brainer here. I agree. This is our guy. You've said that he's draftable and and all redraft at this point. This is a two tight end league. We're getting him in the last round to back up Waller and Hawkins. It should obviously nothing happen to them, but should something happen to them, we're gonna have a superstar 18th round tight end. And that'll cap it off. 
I actually, I love that last pick. This is a fun one. That was that was a great pull. He was buried. Obviously, we're playing this a little bit more for fun than the FFPC main event uh, this Friday, where our preparation and our tracking of players and, and who's still available will be a lot more serious. That's a great uh, pick there, the Ben Fairmouth. Uh, he's someone that we made a big emphasis on in our Dynasty startup. Kind of as we finish this out, Ben, did you have any thoughts on the Dynasty startup? We used kind of our last pick on Tarek Cullen because we had more picks than we had roster spots. He's someone that we can stash on IR. Uh, Anthony McFarland did not get selected, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. So even with kind of what we were looking at with the zero RB targets late, there are going to be some guys on waivers in that format that could help us. You know, we hope that Harris stays healthy, obviously, but McFarland now is in a clear situation where he appears to be the number two. I think he would have a big role if Harris goes down. Yeah, I think he's really interesting. Uh, we talked about him prior to the Cohen selection. It was our 21st selection. We only can, can roster 20. Cohen became the, Cohen became the 22nd, but we were able to stash him. So we do have 21 active players right now. We took Jamar Jefferson, but in part because we were we were still sort of discussing, and <laughs> we got we timed out a little bit. And he's always at the top of Sean's queue. Uh, I, I do think Anthony McFarland should have gone. Absolutely. I mean, that's sort of a no brainer. Maybe someone will look at if we if we could free up some roster space because we don't have anyone to cut. Yeah, right now we we ended up trading for twenty three total picks. Michael Thomas on IR, Tarek Cohen on IR. We're one pick over. We would like to trade Odell Beckham. So uh, anyone playing in the league with us who is listening to the show, get those offers in. We'll probably be sending some out. Then Beckham, one of the plays that we made to emphasize getting some value, he fell well below ADP. He's one of these guys who has been kind of slow playing it in camp. I don't know how much attention there has been on that sort of nationally, Cleveland, maybe not a team that is covered quite the same way as, as some of the other ones. When he has done things, they claim that he is kind of back to his old self. But if a guy is not even like fully practicing, can, can we really say that they're back to their old self? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> He's certainly interesting from a cost adjusted perspective. We got a really good value on him. And we talked about the scenarios where Cleveland maybe throws more than people realize. And if they were to do that, when I look at the targets per out run and things like that, I mean, you have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry still really consistently showing out in those in those metrics. Odell's been down a little bit since his time in New York over in Cleveland, but still very comfortably in the 20% range, very, very high in those rankings at wide receiver. And so I would think if they throw more, his targets could really balloon as long as he can stay healthy. The question certainly would become where the efficient, you know, wh whether he can get back to the efficiency because he hasn't had that for several years now. But I, I mean, I don't mind holding him into the season, you know, and, and seeing if we can recoup some, some value there, especially because he does have, I think, a pretty high target ceiling. And so that volume can just sort of make things look nice in small samples, especially if he has a 12 target game right off the, out of the gate, we might be able to get some strong value out of him. All right. Well, that is going to more or less wrap it up for tonight's show. But with this sort of hot take idea, then we end up with Javante Williams. We like him. 
he's kind of one of the guys who was the middle of the draft, the bridge from the stars to uh, these deep players. You are on him. I am on him. He was the kind of one expensive back in the zero RB list. I always take one guy from that sort of round five range for anyone who wants to do more of a soft zero RB. I'm going to go ahead and say he's this year's Nick Chubb midseason. He's going to break out. Maybe the Broncos trade Melvin Gordon like we saw with Carlos Hyde with Chubb. Maybe he simply takes the reins and doesn't look back. There has been so much coverage on Harris recently. I think that that's justified. Uh, He's someone we'll actually have to consider in the second round of our draft on Friday. I know we'll be kind of debating that behind the scenes before we get there. But Williams, the better prospect, the guy who uh, maybe doesn't have as clear a path to production, but the young guy, he's explosive. He finished toward the top of the breakaway rush score, even though his timed 40 wasn't that great, but his athletic peripherals are excellent. He's a broken tackle machine. People in Denver have been amazed at how well he takes contact, stays balanced, makes yards after that contact. So I'm going to say he comes in as running back 10 this season. Can you can you beat that? Will you go to running back seven for me? <laughs> I think that's odd enough. but Because... Be- Particularly because if he finishes running back 10, it means in the second half of the season, he's finishing running back three, running back four. That's the part that is exciting. (laughs) Well, that will do it for this episode of Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretsch. I mentioned the Stealing Signals newsletter. This is the perfect time to sign up for that. We'd love to have you guys at Rotoviz. If you're not a subscriber yet and would like to be, you can get a 10% discount with the code RVRADIO2021 at discount. Uh, keep those rating and reviews coming. We really appreciate all the feedback there. Subscribe to the feed. We have a lot coming out right now. Over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be so much content. If you don't subscribe to the individual feed, you may miss a few of those. We're going to do some draft shows. The feedback has been good on those. But we also try and keep them fun, right? We're going to talk about some players. We're going to give some bold predictions and get into some guys, even the, the ones that we don't draft, try and get some real player-specific content in there. So look for that over the next couple of weeks. And until we talk to you again, have a good one.